morning. You can open your Bible scriptures to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. Uh, Jerry, that was a, I'm not sure where you are, that, oh, he's not in here, right? but that was a, a powerful introduction to, uh, to our, our scripture we're looking at today. Uh, I'll be looking specifically at suffering, despair, affliction, uh, how it related to Paul, how it relates to us. Uh, but before I go in there, if we're looking at suffering, despair, and affliction, does anyone know what today is? Brown season opener. <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was a good idea, you know, on a heavy subject like this to start with a brown season opener joke, but it played in. Uh, I wanted to start with, and I uh, got my daughter, who's she wanted me to say that she studies Chinese, and she was the one that taught me how to say this, but I wanted to start with the phrase, Wu Shir Dao. Um, it's a story that Brother Yun used. Um, he shared the story of his life in prison. He was in prison for the gospel one of the times where uh, he said, in his story he shares how it had, his experience was so bad from the abuse he was suffering, the malnutrition, that uh, he was beyond um, recognizable. And laying there in that prison cell, he wanted nothing more than just to die. Like he just, like, he was done. He couldn't go on. He was pleading for, for death. And he, he shares how he heard an audible voice from God just say, Wu Shir Dao, which is, I know. Uh, and, and, and he said, from there, even though the circumstances didn't change at the time, he could sustain it. Uh, and so as we look in Paul's experience here, as we look at the idea of, of suffering, afflictions, despair, um, my words won't do justice to, to this subject. Um, but whatever you're going through today, have gone through, will go through, I wanted to start with that story because each one of us in the quietness of our lives right now, are going through some difficult times. Uh, sometimes they're extremely difficult. Sometimes there's just, it just feels like no one knows. Uh, so if you don't get anything else out of this message, that's fine. I just want to, God knows. Whatever you're going through, God knows, and God will sustain. It's easy when we look at suffering to want to just turn away, to want it to simply go away. Uh, but I think as we wrestle with this, we're called to ask, we're, we're image bearers, so we're called to, uh, to be thinking and caring image bearers and not, to, not just look the other way, but take this subject uh, very seriously. Uh, Listening to, uh, I can't remember his name, it was a scholar on, uh, just on the gospel as a whole. This is backtracking a little bit. But he said that we've grown up with a phrase that says, the gospel is so simple that a plowboy can understand it. And he said, that's true in part. He said, salvation is so simple that a plowboy can understand it. But the gospel as a whole can, has so much more depth when we mine into what the, the writers were writing. Like they were writing in their context. And when we really start to bring out that scripture, the scriptures in their context and what they actually mean, there's so much more to mine out of that. And I think as we look at the idea of suffering, it's really easy to give cliches. And cliches or, or almost to, to just want to look away and not really wrestle with, with 
suffering, with uh, how it affects us, how it affects other believers, how it affects an unbelieving world. So I think today that's what I'd really like to look at, just wrestle with it. I won't get much of this right. There's going to be so much more depth that others of you could mine out of it, but I think that's, that's where I'd at least like to start. Um, other than the question of how do I become saved, I don't think there's any deeper questions for us and for our society than if God is good, why is there so much evil and suffering in our world? Why would an all-powerful and all-good God create a world full of evil and suffering? And the last one, if God loves us, why would he allow us to suffer, to face overwhelming difficulties? These are hard questions, questions that we often, I don't think, wrestle with, even though they're there. And when we're going through difficult times, we, re- we really wrestle with them. Uh, prominent atheist thinkers such as Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, answer this question simply. The existence of suffering and evil proves there is no God. And that's the premise of their writing. Suffering and evil prove that there is no God. So how do we as believers, we obviously don't take what they say as truth, but how do we as believers wrestle with this question? And, 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 and the why, the perspective, is really important for us to wrestle with, to, to sustain us in the difficult times, uh, to encourage believers, and also to show the Dawkins and the Hitchens of the world that the premise of their answer is wrong. But when we don't, when we don't dive into the reality of the question, we show them in a way that they're right. I mean, if, in context, if you know what we're saying, or what I'm saying. So never allowing God... And also I wanted to add, as we wrestle with this, um, if we ignore, bury, or suggest simply that if you're going through a difficult time that you don't have enough faith, that's why you're going through this difficult time, Uh, We create a religion that hides and that it's based on effort. Uh, And we never allow God to simply sustain us and fulfill his purpose through our suffering. And that's what many people, many followers that have gone through deep suffering, the example of Brother Yun, different stories like that, they've understood that the thing that matters is his Christ, God's purpose, not myself. Uh, In the book, Uh, If God is Good by Randy Alcorn. I don't know if any of you have read it. He has a really short quote that I wanted to use. I think it's really powerful when we look at suffering. Suffering isn't theoretical, it's personal. Suffering isn't theoretical, it's personal. And when we stay in the theoretical, that's when we go into cliches. Suffering is personal. Whatever you're going through, it affects your faith. It affects how you interact, like just the joy in life. Uh, and sh- this is from the book. If abuse, rape, desertion, debilitating disease, or the loved of lost ones has devastated you, then this issue isn't theoretical, philosophical, or theological. It's deeply personal. Logical arguments won't sustain you in the fact. In fact, they may offend you. And then I want to use a quote from uh, John- Johnny Erickson Tata that I actually will probably go to and read back then and read again, but I, I think this... Uh, and if you, we all know her story, and, and that's what makes her story so powerful. But she says, God, like a father, doesn't just give advice. He gives himself. He becomes the husband to the grieving widow, Isaiah 54, 5. He becomes the comforter to the barren woman, Isaiah 54, 1. He becomes the father to the orphaned, 
Psalms 10.14. He becomes the bridegroom to the single person, Isaiah 62.5. He is the healer of the sick, Exodus 15.26. He is the wonderful counselor to the confused and depressed, Isaiah 9.6. That that whole quote is so powerful. In that first phrase, God like a father doesn't just give advice. The worst thing we can often do is if someone's going through a difficult time, is to give advice. You know, like, unless you've really just walked through it and come out of it, uh, which we'll get into a little bit, your, your voice will matter. But if I haven't walked through what you're walking through and I give advice, there's nothing that turns you off with what you're going through more than that and pushes people away from the church. Uh, but then she says, he gives himself. And when someone gives themselves, like, we, like, we can change the world. A faith that can't be shaken is the faith that has been shaken. And I think so often we, we, get that, we get that wrong and we see people that maybe look weak in the faith and question them, but a faith that has been shaken won't be shaken. And another thing that makes the, power, the, the Bible so powerful on this subject, on any subject really, is when it looks at its, like any of the, the men, the women that we hold up, it's honest with who they are. They're bad, they're good, their sins, where they've got it right. But also on suffering, the Bible doesn't gloss over suffering. Uh, it, die, it dives into it, and, but, it, but it does ask us to rest in him and to allow him to be the comforter that sustains us and trust in his purpose. Uh, and as we read the scripture, this is the example that Paul gives us here in 2 Corinthians. This is what Paul understood. Uh, so hopefully we can take some of that context, that introduction, as we're reading the scripture and better be able to understand what Paul is writing about. So if you do have your Bibles open, let's uh, begin reading 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 through 11. And I'll be reading out of the ESV. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the afflictions we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril that he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many of you will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. So there's, just, there's a lot to pull out of this that, that Paul just really gets right and understands. Uh, but I wanted to start with verse 3 before we really dive into why do we experience suffering? Why does God allow it? The first two words, blessed be. Uh, this is a standard Jewish praise formula that introduces the tone and the theme of what's to come. 
Uh, and if you were here last Sunday, um, a, a little bit of my introduction, uh, maybe you'll uh, have heard this a little bit. But I re- like, Paul, this is what Paul really understood. The Christians, the follower, as a follower of Christ, our first call as a follower of Christ is to worship. That's it. And this is what Paul is going to be writing about the sufferings he's experiencing, the afflictions. And he's also going to be saying, like mentioning that you also are experiencing some of these. But he starts with blessed be, which is a praise formula saying your first priority, your first obligation is to worship. That's it. Um, And then from an attitude of worship, we move into mission. Why we serve, like the the things of the, the kingdom of Christ. But it starts with worship. It doesn't start with anything else. And this is where, this is what, what Paul uh, is bringing out here at the beginning of this chapter. Uh, he's saying that our eyes must be solely fixed in worship to Jesus Christ. When Jerry was giving his example there and he's pulling out the golf clubs and the, so- you know, he should have brought out a soccer ball. I was showing my kids some Ronaldo highlights, and they had never heard of him, obviously, because they just came back from their soccer. He made like $100 million last year alone. But anyway, you know, I was thinking like all these people, like if you put a soccer ball in my hands, I can barely dribble it. It's worth nothing, like what Jerry was saying. If you take the Bible and put it in someone's hands that's not a believer, that doesn't have his, their eyes fixed in worship on Jesus, unless, uh, it, it, it's, it won't accomplish much. But if you take the, God, the unless they're seeking, so not, but if you take the Bible, put it in, a, in someone's hand that has their eyes solely fixed on Jesus Christ, it will change, they'll be the most powerful person that you'll meet and they'll change eternity. There's a story I wanted to share with, the, with this idea of, of the call to worship. That's it. Uh, is a, it's a story of a, uh, a young physician, a young doctor, and I'll just read it here. The first physician to die of the AIDS virus in the United Kingdom was a young Christian. He had contracted the disease while conducting medical research in Zimbabwe. In the last days of his life, he struggled to express himself to his wife. Near the end, he couldn't talk and had only enough strength to write the letter J. She ran through her mental dictionary saying various words beginning with J. None were right. Finally, she said Jesus. He nodded. Yes, Jesus filled his final thoughts. That's all he wanted to say. That's all his wife needed to hear. And, and I think this sets the tone, what Paul was saying. What I love about this story is a couple things. First, he has his sights. This is a young doctor. He had a lot going for him. He had his sights solely set on Jesus Christ. That's it. But the other thing that I really like about this story, we don't know his name. He's somewhere he's buried. And, and in, in history, we won't know. He's not famous. We don't know his name. And... and and I think that's so powerful for us to remember as we look at our lives and the impact that they'll have. It's, it's not the person with the biggest platform, the microphone, the wealth, the fame. That person will not change. That, that person doesn't have the largest impact. The person with the largest impact is the example here of this young physician who suffered greatly to the point of his life because of his call but kept his eyes solely fixed on Jesus Christ. And when we do that, when we, whether in good times or in suffering, we change the world. Uh, and we become, our platform is so much more powerful than that, that what looks like an earthly platform that looks wealth, fame, whatever you, we typically as humans lift up. That's not what Christ lifts up. So let's, uh, 
start with worship, move into mission, but let's just look into the question here, starting with verse 3. Why does an all-powerful, all-loving God allow suffering? Uh, The first thing is we get to experience direct and personal comfort from God. If you look at verses 3 through 7, the word comfort or its relatives occurs 10 times in these verses. It's just comfort, 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 uh, over and over and over. And the base word, the Greek word, and I will say, I am no Greek scholar here, but uh, parakletos, which literally means to call beside. And so the word comfort that's being used here uh, gives the idea of one who comes alongside to help, uh, of strength and enablement, a confidence. It consoles and relieves a person, but it strengthens him at the same time. So it's the idea of strength. And yeah, I can, it really sounds like it's raining, so don't allow that to distract what you're learning from Scripture here. Back on board? All right. Uh, Campbell Morgan says, The great thought of underpinned, which is a foundation, taking a weaker product and for a stronger uh, product, so it's, again, the idea of a strong foundation, uh, strengthened comradeship is called to the side of, being at the side of, and upholding. It's the same root word in comfort here that we use for the Holy Spirit. So over and over and over here, Paul is saying it is strength. It's coming alongside. It's lifting you up. It's the comforter. It's the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's our advocate and our comforter. And that is... When we're, when we're going through whatever difficult time you might be going through, you might be at a spot in life you have been in the future now where you don't even know how to express yourself. It might come out in anger. It might come out in frustration. You almost don't even have the words because of what you're going through. And God is saying the comforter will be your advocate. He'll, give, he'll, he'll be there. He'll give the words to, to, to God to Jesus, and to comfort you. Uh, so it's an idea of strength as well as coming alongside. It also, uh, in, in verse 4, he says, he comforts us in all our afflictions. And here Paul is simply saying he's under tremendous pressure. Someone or something is attempting to weaken, restrict, or confine his ministry to the point of death. Uh, and up to this point, the comforter, uh, Paul is saying, uh, is comforting him in all his afflictions. To experience the comfort of God is one of the most precious gifts that is offered to humanity outside of salvation. If you've ever gone through a difficult time, however small or big it might seem, and you felt the presence of God, you know that comfort is the greatest gift we can experience outside of salvation. Scripture also says, Blessed are they which mourn, for they shall be comforted. And he longs, he simply longs, God simply longs to comfort us um, and strengthen us to be there uh, as our Heavenly Father. Uh, and so he's asking us to not think we've, we've got this life on our own, to think we've, we, can, we can do it, we've got the strength, we can, whatever we're going through, we can plow through. He wants us to cry out to him and to be, uh, and to be our comforter. But the other thing that it brings, uh, the other reason that God allows us to experience suffering is so that we can be able to comfort others. Uh, and that's brought out over and over in these scriptures. The comfort from God is not an end in itself. Its purpose is that believers can be comforters to others. So that, you know, if, if I've experienced something, if you've experienced something, and God comes through and, and, and I experience that comfort, it can't stop there. 
I now have an experience that I can take out to my fellow believers, to a world, and, re- and, and really share in that comfort in what, in what they're going through. I've already walked that. You've already walked that. So it, it can't stop at ourselves. It must be uh, passed on uh, or shared with other believers. I think it can be difficult to console or, comfort, console or comfort a person if we have not experienced the same thing. Where our, uh, where our wounds of suffering or addiction are from, are from personal experiences where we can comfort the greatest. Now, let me backtrack a little bit there. If someone is going through something that you have never experienced, that does not give you the right to say, oh, well, someone else will have to come through. I don't have to. I can go, you know, golf to, or whatever. Yeah. What it's saying, you still, like, okay, yes, you can't be... Me, your, your comfort maybe doesn't have the depth that someone has walked through that specific thing. But the worst thing we can do is do nothing. And so maybe don't give advice if you haven't walked through that, but maybe give a phone call, a text, a letter, however you communicate today, and just say, let, let them know that you care and that you know that they're going through that difficult time and that you're praying for them. So it doesn't let you off the hook just because you haven't you know, experienced that journey of whatever it might be. But... Where you have walked some, in the depth of despair, affliction, suffering already, and you see someone else walking through that, that's where you have an opportunity to share that comfort that you receive from God with that person. Uh, and, and Paul is saying that when a believer sees another believer being comforted through some trial or suffering, they are stirred to continue in the faith, to kin- continue in the way of salvation, no matter how great the suffering and when I, when I wrote that, like, I think any of us that have, that have been here at church for a while, like, that, the greatest example I could think of for our church like, is Lee Byler. Like, every one of us saw him walk through that journey. And he never made it seem like it wasn't difficult. But you could always see he had peace with Christ and his focus was on Christ. And when a, when, when a believer like Lee does that, like, what this is saying like, is so powerful because it actually... Like, it, it stirs us to continue in the faith, uh, it, uh, in the way of salvation, no matter what, what our journey in the future will be. And so when, when you look at an example like Lee, like, just know that at some time in your life, you, each one of us will be that example as well to someone else. might not be today. It might be today, you know. But it, it will, and, and, and there's tremendous power in, in how we walk that journey of, of suffering. The other thing that it brings out, righteousness, uh, that we make, uh, suffering allows us to grow in righteousness, in patience, and in perseverance. Verse 5 says that we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. This doesn't refer uh, to the Jesus' atonement. That was unique to him. But it's referring to uh, our sufferings as we imitate Christ, the sufferings that we experience, that we'll endure as Paul did, we will, for the sake of the gospel. Uh, John MacArthur says that the God's comfort to believers extends to the boundaries of their suffering for Christ. So as far as you're willing to suffer for Christ, in, in an imitation of Christ, what you're willing to suffer for there, that's how, that's how much comfort you'll also experience from God. And then verse 6, and I wanted to read that verse just to bring that out a little bit. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffered. Uh, and so suffering, 
It's easy to see in, in hindsight, but it, it, it also teaches us patience and perseverance to endure. And the, la- the last thing, in verses 8 to 11, I'm not going to take time to read them, but it teaches us to learn to trust God. When we have to despair of life itself, uh, beyond human, uh, something that was beyond human survival, the Greek word for despair here means simply no passage, the absence of an exit. Paul's saying there's, there was no exit. Then he says, but... That was to make us trust in God and, and not ourselves. God's ultimate purpose is to bring us to the point where we can't fall back on any intellectual, physical, or emotional strength, but a complete trust and reliance in, on him. The, a complete reliance on... He brings out that one, in the one verse that the power it takes to raise someone from the dead, that's the power... That, that is not a human... That is not humanly possible. That's the same power that Paul needed and that we need to, in the depth of despair and suffering, to come out uh, healed or, you know, uh, to, when there's no passage to come out from that. Uh, and, and so Paul's simply saying, like, it's, it's to teach us that we can't rely on ourselves, but we need that power. So just in a... Wrap-up con- conclusion. We do uh, the most, probably the most universal human experience is suffering, um, and it's not because you have a lack of faith. It's not because of anything. Maybe that sometimes it's something you did, but it's not. But sometimes it's not. A God, a, the most human, exp- common experience is suffering. Uh, but it's as a as a believer, it's so that we can experience direct personal comfort from God that we may be able to comfort others, that we may grow in righteousness, patience, and perseverance, that we may learn to trust God. You know, suffering in many, does shape us it, it's to some degree, it, 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 but, but even more powerfully than, than that, suffering doesn't necessarily shape us. It shows us who we always were. You know, when times are good, it's easy to say the right things. It's easy. When times are good, it's easy to say that you believe in God. When times are really difficult, and we don't really wrestle with this a lot, faith can be difficult. Like, it can be hard to actually, oh, you can, when you show up at your church, you can verbalize that you believe in God. You believe that God is all powerful. God is all good. But, but your faith is shaken. Like, you're, you're wrestling with those questions. Um, and, so, and so our suffering, like, it, it shows us who we are. And I think God wants us to, for us to see our hearts. When times are good, we don't see them. But he wants us to see our hearts. Um, and there's a quote that I came across from someone that said, it is in the deep, fertile soil of pain and darkness that true growth really happens. We must learn to admit that things hurt us and that we need the comfort from God. And then the last verse, verse 11, we need intercessory prayer. But also it shows that we were never meant to carry our brokenness, our hurts, our afflictions alone. But rather in a community of believers that have experienced the comfort of their Heavenly Father. We're never meant to carry it alone. Um, and even, to, I just wanted to close with that story I started with. Even when we find ourselves outside of community, outside of a group of believers that can really raise us up when we're de- 
at our worst. God's there, and he, he will tell us in our, in our language, Wu Shou Dao, that he knows and that he's walking with us, uh, and that he, is our, yeah, that he is our heavenly comforter. Thank you for your attention. Um, the worship team, do you want to close with a song? As you're coming up, maybe I'll just close with a, a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. God, thank you that you are our comforter. God, this morning, no matter where each one of us are in the journey of life, God, if, uh, if today we find ourselves really struggling, uh, su- suffering in the depth of despair, uh, God, I pray that you would be our comforter. But God, that you would also raise up people here in this church or in the community that will lift us up, that will be our comforter. God, and help us. May your spirit be upon us and help us to be that person that is looking to bring comfort uh, to, those, to those around us and to show your gospel. God, may we worship you and then as we go out from there that we would serve your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.